Today on Ag News Daily. Employees in, in their um, production process, we have, to, we have to be on the farm making recommendations, um, or, or if not on the farm, certainly making recommendations to the uh, sales agronomists who are, who are making the recommendation to the grower. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Ag News Daily Podcast, sponsored today by Ag Explore International. Delaney Hamill joined alongside Tanner Winterhoff this beautiful spring morning, Tanner. Yes, I'm really getting used to this. The bright sun shining through the windows. I know it's colder than it looks, but it definitely finally looks like spring. It does, although I think some folks are going to get some... Maybe snow in the forecast. I saw on Twitter, a farmer I follow up in uh, South Dakota shared a winter weather advisory forecast for the next couple of days. So that's unfortunate. Yeah, that's too bad. That uh, I don't wish that upon anybody, but I'm glad it's them and not me. Yes, I am as well. I think though that's, but maybe not in South Dakota, but I know we've got a listener that I talk to pretty regularly from Michigan, the UP area, and they're still likely getting snow at this time, but they're kind of used to it. I think at this point in the year, although, you know, I remember a couple of years where we've had snow as late as end of April, beginning of May. So I hope we don't get that this year. Yeah, we, we don't need that, but I do remember talking to producers that that was some of the best corn that got planted ahead of that snow and the snow came on it. So uh, that would be the only silver lining to not being welcome the sight of snow. That's true. And I suppose there are quite a few areas that could use probably some snow or late season rainfall here in the United States, but also in South America, Tanner. Argentina is warning that frost down there could actually further hurt their soy and corn crops this year because they are also watching very closely alongside Brazil to see what kind of production numbers come out of the field this year. And the Buenos Aires Grain Exchange said late last week that a potential blow to production already hit hard by drought earlier this year could be hit again due to some potential frost in the forecast later this week. And as we know, they're, of course, the leading exporter in soybean oil and soybean meal and the number two exporter worldwide for corn. And that, again, bodes the question, you know, if we saw that big purchase made by China to the U.S. earlier this week or uh, for corn, you know, largely due to the fact that there's concern Ukraine won't have a very viable crop this year. And if Argentina, Brazil, and the United States, all three have issues of some sort, we'll see stocks get pretty tight this year. Yeah, that is potentially setting up for the making of the tightest stocks that we've ever had. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Both on the corn and I think maybe not the tightest stocks we've ever had on the wheat side of the balance sheet, but certainly getting close to a rate where I was reading some commentary this morning from Arlen Suderman of Stonex. And he said that stocks are getting tight enough. Now we should start seeing pricing or we should start seeing some folks price wheat out of the feed bunk. And as opposed to using it as a feed source, because it's continuing to potentially be in short supply this year, Markets will likely preserve wheat supplies for food use for people specifically, Tanner. Wow. Yeah, that is certainly an indicator of things becoming a lot tighter. But uh, without knowing it, you actually set me up on a great transition into the first story that I had. I also went to Buenos Aires, if that's how it's pronounced, uh, and 
read this article about Argentina's national oil company, YPF. So they are now boosting their supplies of gas oil. Last month, they had their highest production that they have ever had. Now, gas oil is a type of diesel fuel that is mainly used in country Argentina as the fuel for trucks and agricultural use. Now, with the issues going on in Ukraine, the global scramble for oil and gas supplies are continuing to make countries nervous. So YPF is at least trying to do their part to make sure that those Argentinian farmers have fuel to take care of their crops to where they can meet the demands of the world on the export side. So it's interesting to see how companies are trying to do their part to not disrupt this food chain as much as it has been already to maybe try and get some things back on track. But uh, this is a special operation and is backed by the government. So it'll be interesting to see how Argentina does going forward after we continue to assess this magnitude of the Russia-Ukraine conflict to see if they will have any issues in the agricultural sector there, getting that crop in, out of the ground, and to the ports. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that a new company coming online are increasing production, Tanner, because fuel shortages really have started in Argentina. And this piece of news will probably enhance that shortage because there is once again a strike going on down in Argentina. It seems like we're talking about a strike in some capacity every week here on the podcast, but Argentina's major transportation union announced on Monday that it's going to be calling for a national strike starting this coming Monday to demand an increase in freight rates to offset higher fuel costs for truckers. And it called for a stoppage of all transportation activity until an answer is found, which, of course, the strike is coming as Argentina is continuing to harvest corn and soybean crops. And they're about 19 percent complete with harvest, as I understand it. So uh, that's a big question mark, a big area of concern. And to be honest, I don't know for sure. I have an inkling of a feeling that Argentina does not have the type of on-farm storage that a lot of U.S. farmers have here. But if they don't have truckers to haul that grain to, you know, commercial elevators or export facilities, uh, does that halt harvest altogether in Argentina? Yeah, that that is definitely adding some depth to the story because just like you said, now if we're making sure we have the raw commodities available to take care of it, how are we managing the people side of it? Right. And that's kind of the big question mark, I think, still, Tanner. But one thing we don't have to question today is who our podcast is sponsored by. We all know it's vital to have crop nutrients in the right source at the right rate at the right time and in the right place to improve ROI and yield. The team at Ag Explorer also understands it's vital to have the right technology They call it the fifth R of nutrient stewardship. Ag Explore technologies and products are designed to enhance your yields, therefore maximizing your investment. If you want to know more, reach out by visiting agexplore.com. That's A-G-X-P-L-O-R-E.com. And thank you for them for their support. Let's go down to Mexico. So uh, the Mexican president and Tom Vilsack are working very closely together to try and curb the impact of rising prices, especially when it comes to food. 
So the Mexican agricultural minister said on Tuesday that his president and Vilsack are in almost constant communication as they lead up to a meeting to discuss shared priorities, including open trade, science-based policymaking, and sustainable climate-smart agricultural production between the two governments and their two countries. So they've concluded that it's all necessary to monitor health protocols as trade goes back and forth across our borders. But as of May 15th, the U.S. will be able to, uh, or Mexico is going to accept the U.S.'s standards for potatoes, mainly for chipping potatoes. Um, And it's interesting that that was the first product announced, the first commodity announced that uh, Mexico is adopting the U.S. standards. And I had to dig a little deeper, Delaney, to find out that that wasn't Mexico coming up to the U.S. standards. It was Mexican government lowering their standards. So who would have thought on potatoes, to say the least, that there was that big of a standard difference? So it'll be interesting to see if uh, Vilsack and the Mexican president can continue to have further conversations to see if standards can be met and agreed upon for more commodities to make that southern border partner of ours a much more strategic play for us in the future. That's interesting you bring that up too, Tanner, because I had assumed that NAFTA 2.0 or the USMCA agreement would have addressed things like this. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised too, but maybe there are more things coming out of the woodwork after uh, Russia and Ukraine have really jumped to the forefront of making us understand how the world works as far as food supply and commodity supply goes. Well, that's uh, certainly an interesting point you make there. And, you know, the other thing we're watching is not only grain supplies, we're watching labor, but we're also watching supply chain concerns. And I thought this was just an interesting kind of anecdotal story, but uh, interesting nonetheless. Farm Journal recently conducted a survey of ag retailers, and they didn't share how many retailers they surveyed. So I can't give any insight into that. But they did share that of the retailers they surveyed, 87% of them said they had difficulty sourcing inputs this year for their growers. And of those 87%, 85% said herbicides were the biggest problem, more specifically glyphosate, followed by glufosinate, 2,4-D, dicamba, and then just other. But 100% of respondents who said herbicides were their number one input that they had a hard time sourcing said glyphosate was the hardest product to find Tanner. I would say in the conversations I've had with my clients and those that um, I communicate with here in central Iowa, they would probably echo the same thing that that article is discussing there. They were able to source, but it seemed like they might've had to go with their option B or C uh, out of their regular scheduled programming uh, for their chemical side. But there is now some more concern over if black tar spot becomes an issue here, depending upon the growing conditions and requires more than one fungicide pass. There could be a shortage on the fungicide availability as we get into the later season. Yeah, that's a good point, too. And I think, you know, we talked a lot about it on the podcast last year. I, I wouldn't try to even pretend to be an agronomist and predict this year, but. It seems like that was a concern last year was that it was going to be another lingering issue heading into the 2022 growing season. 
Yeah, absolutely. I've got two quick hits here at the end of my news for today, Delaney. And this first one, I'm not going to claim to be an expert. I am just going to report on the technology that has become available. So um, we have all heard of the CRISPR technology. So that is um, affecting, that is a technology that stands for clustered, regularly, interspaced, short, palindromic repeats. So what they're doing is they're using the CRISPR technology to uh, recognize and maybe adjust, I shouldn't say maybe, and adjust DNA sequences. But that CRISPR technology has now advanced to where they have a kill option. It is literally called CRISPR-kill. And what they can do now is actually eliminate a genome in the process. So instead Mm. of modifying cells or um, cross-connecting cells, this allows for them to actually eliminate. So if there is a trait in a plant that they don't like and just want to get rid of, they no longer have to breed it out. It can now be eliminated. So that's the update that I have. I don't have any way, Delaney, of being able to understand the science behind that. <laughs> um, but I do see that as a new technology. And that comes yeah. comes out of KIT, which is Carl Schurer Institute for Technology, um, where that original CRISPR technology was formed. Well, we've had on, it's been quite some time, but we've had on Dr. Allison Van Enenem, who's I think still at UC Davis, I'd have to double check. It's been quite a while, but she's big into that space. So might be a good potential Tech Tuesday interview, Tanner. Oh, that would be great. And then the last one I have is kind of fun. So if you have children like I do, um, it is safe to say that we will not have a Cheez-Its shortage. So several hundred workers at the Kellogg's plant in Omaha reached their new contract deal. So I found that after you mentioned strikes uh, but it is happy to see that the Cheez-Its factory is back to operating. They got a 15% wage increase over the next three years. So uh, the Cheez-Its are safe. That's good. I'm a big Cheez-It person too. Does that make does that mean that you're calling me a child? <laughs> no, I eat the Cheez-Its right along my children. I just know <laughs> that they will gripe louder than I do if they aren't in our house. Mm, that's fair. That's fair. Well, uh, I think I just have one other piece of news, kind of news, kind of not really, but, um, you know, looking at markets here in the overnight, certainly seeing a little bit of weakness, not too terribly much, probably just some corrections that we saw after big moves earlier in the week. But this week, we also, I almost forgot, have the April WASD report, which is going to be done a little bit differently than usual. I saw this on the USDA's website, but for the first time ever, They will be streaming live at 12.05 Eastern Time, so 11.05 a.m. Central Time. They'll be streaming the Crop Production Report as well as the WASD Report, and you can watch it on youtube.com slash USDA NASFOR. And could be interesting. They're also going to go over a little bit of the March 31st Acreage Report. And uh, could be an interesting event. I don't know that it will be interesting, but I can, I can at least hope that maybe they'll take questions from the audience, Tanner. I was curious what your thought is on what they were trying to achieve. I'm uh, not that- sure. Maybe yeah. I was hoping that perhaps they would talk about their process for collecting WASD data, because I think that's always kind of a little mysterious to folks, how they actually go about doing it. Do they use satellite imagery? Are they still just using their boots on the ground folks to survey Uh, a little bit of a gray area? Right. I would agree. Yeah. It'll be at least 
interesting in the concept to see if it works. The report itself might not be interesting, uh, but we'll have that factor. We certainly will. But Tanner, before we kick it over to today's interview, I wanted to remind folks one more time, we are sponsored by Ag Explore. And what makes Ag Explore different? Well, they're innovators bringing together talent, global resources, and experience to face critical farming needs head on. AgEx is an industry leader developing field-proven, cutting-edge technologies that have revolutionized farming, and they learn continuously because they know current knowledge is never good enough. Forging ahead always with technology-driven products to enhance yields and maximize investments and cats out of the bag. We're going to be chatting with Ag Explore executive, CEO, and CTO today for the interview, Tanner. So let's go ahead and kick it over to Tim and Gunther. Well, folks, we are excited to talk to today's sponsor, Ag Explore, joined today by Tim Gutwein, the CEO, and Gunther Kreps, the Chief Product and Technology Officer. Gentlemen, thank you both so much for joining us. I know you both have a lot on your plates, and we're certainly excited to chat with you about Ag Explore today. Tim, I'll turn it over to you first. I would love to learn more about your background and how you got into this role with Ag Explore. Sure, Delaney. Thank you. So my, my background is actually business. I have a degree in finance and banking. Um, and so my, my interest in Ag Explorer actually started about 16 or 17 years ago, strictly as an investment. Um, but I actually joined the company and came to work for the company. And, and over, the, over the past 15 or so years, I've really come to, to love agriculture. And Gunther, what about uh, your background? How did you get, uh, how did you get here today to be the CTO? Sure. So Delaney, I spent um, my last 20 plus years all in agriculture. I grew up on a farm in northern Indiana, um, spent time in ag retail, managing a ranch for seven years uh, in Indiana, um, moved on to a larger national ag retailer, spent 10 years with them um, in various roles and various management roles, including managing a plant nutrition business for them globally as well. Um, and then um, spent the last three and a half plus years with Tim here in with Ag Explore. So, gentlemen, for those who are unaware of who Ag Explore is, well, Tim, could you give us a little background as to who the company is? Sure, sure. So we we are um, a Missouri company. Um, we do business throughout the United States, in Canada, as well as a, a few international countries. Um, we have three primary product lines. Our first is what we call um, fertilizer management aids. The second is what is known as adjuvants. And the third is what we call advanced plant nutrition. And how long have you guys been working with your clients? Well, we've been in business for 20, a little over 20 years, 21 years, um, or 22 years, I guess it is now, 22 years. Um, but, you know, as far as our existing clients, um, you know, some of them we've been with since the very beginning. And, and, and certainly as a, as a company that's growing very quickly, a lot of our customers are actually pretty new to us. And this, uh, this space, I feel like, especially, you know, with increased fertilizer prices, increased input prices is definitely a space that we've been continuing to explore and talk a lot about on the podcast. But Tim, I'm, I'm curious, you know, maybe that's part of your answer. So I'm sorry if I stole your thunder a little bit, but what drives you and Ag Explorer? What, what really keeps you up at night? 
Well, you know, it changes depending on the year. Recently, what's been keeping us up at night is the availability of raw materials um, and the availability of transportation. Um, just a lot of the a lot, a lot of the challenges that every business is facing in this in this COVID and post COVID environment that we're dealing with right now. So, Gunther, as you are working in your position, you're identifying, obviously, like you said, Tim's fear of maybe a short supply. What types of products does Ag Explorer offer? Yeah, so good, good question, Tanner. So we operate in three different shells uh, in the marketplace. So our largest shelf today is our fertilizer management shelf, and that, that would include products like our Contain, Contain Advance, and Enzone Geo, which work specifically on improving uh, nitrogen availability in the soil and keeping it placed around the root system. Uh, we also have some other ones that are working that were they're newer to Ag Explore that work on phosphorus-based fertilizer to make it more efficient the year that you put it out, um, and which is really taken off this year in lieu of uh, current phosphate pricing. Um, we also have a shelf in, in adjuvants, um, so non-ionic surfactants, crop oils, that type of stuff. And then our fastest growing shelf is our plant nutrition business, both foliar and soil applied. Wow, so you went through that really quick. That That's really three categories of products, but a lot of different ways to service the grower, correct? Right. So Gunther, as you look at some of those product offerings, like Tanner said there, that's a lot of different offerings. And it seems like you guys have your fingers in a lot of different pies, which is certainly exciting from a grower perspective to think they can kind of make it a one-stop shop, so to speak. But as you look at some of the other products and companies out there offering similar lines of things, what do you think the competitive advantages of folks doing business with Ag Explorer? Our, our biggest advantage that we have is the technology that we build into products. Anywhere from our contained advanced type products for fertilizer management with nitrogen, um, all the way to our, our foliar plant nutrition and the technology that we put in there to drive nutrition once it's inside of a plant and make it more efficient. And I do believe that's what sets us truly apart is our focus on technologies uh, that work with plant nutrition. I think the second, the second thing that really differentiates us from our competitors is is the fact that our sales team is very, very well educated um, on how to bring value at the farm level. So although we generally don't sell farm direct, we go to market through ag retailers. The, the fact is that most of our salespeople can get on a farm and actually make recommendations of our products and how they can benefit the farmer. So, so just having good products, and I do believe we have some of the best products in the industry, but just having good products isn't the sum total of what we do. It's, it's making sure that farmers apply those products in, in a way that make them beneficial to the farm. And is that a business model that you feel has really contributed to the growth and success of Ag Explore? I think it's a necessity for the types of products that we sell because our products are typically on the cutting edge because our products are different than what a typical farmer employs in, in their um, production process. We have to, we have to be on the farm making recommendations um, or, or if not on the farm, certainly making recommendations to the uh, sales agronomists who are, who are making the recommendation to the grower. And as you guys look at making those recommendations to the agronomists, oftentimes, as opposed to the farmer, what kind of messaging are you sharing with them to help them focus on farmer success and creating opportunities for those higher yielding acres? 
Uh, good question. So, uh, Delaney, we're really challenging the status quo in agriculture. You know, back back when I grew up, it was a, uh, an environment in which you put your fertilizer down, you came back and planted it, you sprayed it, and then you came back and harvested it, right? And you never thought about the crops throughout the growing season. Today, we're thinking about farming differently. We're talking about managing the crop from start to finish. And that start um, of next year's crop happens when the combine leaves the field, right, from residue <laughs> management. And we, we look at five phases of, of managing a crop. And the first one is foundation and making sure you have the fertilizer and the, and the soil condition into, to the point where you're ready for, to start off with success. Um, after that, it's establishment, getting that crop up and getting it going. Um, and then we have an architecture phase that we look at uh, a third phase and, and building that plant biomass. You know, the, the quicker that we can build a, a leaf area index, the better opportunity we have to capture sunlight because every plant is a, um, is a factory, right, that captures sunlight for photosynthesis. Um, and then we talk about managing the crop during the reproductive phase, right? Mother Nature loves to get stressed out and stress plants um, late in season and rob yield late. Um, and then finally, we, we focus that last piece on the maturity phase, making sure that we, we ripen that crop off and, and give the best yield and test weight for various crops. Sounds like you guys are right on exactly what our listeners and growers are looking for. But now I'm curious, you know, we've come this far. What does the future look like for Ag Explorer? Tim, what, what do you see as a vision for what's coming next? Gunny, what's coming next? I think that's a better question for Gunther. I will tell you, so we spent a lot of time working with technology and we've brought a lot to the market here in the last three and a half years. And we're going to spend a lot of our time dedicated to research and technology from around the globe. Um, I spent much of my time in Asia prior to COVID, of course, um, um, working with some technology suppliers and bringing them back and building them into formulations and bringing new offerings for, for U.S.-based growers. Um, we're going to spend a lot more time doing that and exploring options and challenging the status quo. And it's really evident that you guys work well together as a team. I like that you're bouncing ideas and even answering questions off of each other today during the interview. It's been really evident that you're both passionate about this industry and the company itself. But I wanted to wrap wrap it up a little bit. You know, you talked about the vision there a little bit, Gunther, but the other part of the, the vision that we haven't really gotten a lot of time to touch on today, but has been part of the messaging that we've been sharing on the podcast this week has been the fifth R in steward manage, or in nutrient stewardship. And I think that's a really important component as farmers think through being good stewards of the land and, and of their soil. As you think about things coming down the pipeline, what are some things that have you fired up about abilities to enhance yields and maximize investment and be good stewards of the land, Gunther. Yeah. So, you know, with, with any fertilizer industry meeting that you go to, when it comes to production agriculture, they're going to talk about the four R's in agriculture, the right product, the right rate, the right time, the right place. We contend and we have branded a fifth R, which is that right technology. You know, to go out and put fertilizer out there and just hope and pray for the best is, is what we've done for a long time long time in agriculture. Today, we know that there are technologies that can drive fertilizer, be it in the soil to make it available and keep it available to that crop um, when you fertilize. And then also, once you get inside the crop, how do you drive that inside of the crop? Um, stuff that we're focusing on is that that fifth R, that technology is what we've realized. And I spent 20 plus years working with, with technologies. Um, what we've realized and learned over, over the last 20 years specifically is there's not one technology that works in every scenario, right? There's no one amino acid, for example, that drives every nutri plant nutrition um, element inside of a crop. Um, 
sulfur responds differently than boron does, for example, which are two limiting limiting nutrients for most of the, the people that are going to be listening today. Most of you have um, um, deficiencies in sulfur and in boron. And there's different technologies that drive it to make it more efficient. Um, and let's face it, we have limited resources out there in agriculture, um, diminishing limited resources that we need to do as good as we can with those resources while we still have them. Well, gentlemen, this has been our pleasure to have a quick little conversation and give our listeners a little bit of insight as to what Ag Explorer is. Uh, I hope you enjoyed your time as well. But pulling right off of your website, I love the line here that says your goals as the farmer become our goals as the company, same as your problems as the farmer also become the problems of Ag Explorer to solve. We're not bound by moving products. We live and work in your communities and are driven by your success. Really just goes to show uh, how you guys have the farmer in focus for what your company has to handle. So it's been a pleasure for Delaney and I to have this conversation with you. And we look forward to catching up sometime in the future. Likewise. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, that was a fun conversation, Delaney. I wanted to ask during that conversation if the employees at ag explorer are called ag explorers because that would seem like a logical decision as a team that that's good if they don't maybe you can shoot it over to them that's a good marketing idea (laughs) that's the bonus of being on the ag news daily podcast is all the additional marketing content that you get Uh, that's right we've got all sorts of good ideas well I shouldn't say good ideas. We have all sorts of ideas. I can't promise they're good. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, that's good. Well, that was another great day. Another great show, Delaney. I appreciate, again, the invite to be your co-host. But what do you say? We let the people go. Let's let them go.